We're continuing our sermon series on the book of Proverbs this morning. The book of Proverbs is an Old Testament book, and it is considered to be one of the pieces of literature in the Old Testament that is wisdom literature. And as you might imagine, the purpose of wisdom literature is to help us to live wisely in the world. Um, one expression that we've been using is that Proverbs exist to help us to live with greater street smarts. We all want that, don't we? We all want greater street smarts. We want to live in the world around us in a way that allows us to flourish and causes those around us to flourish. I think that deep down inside, that's really what we all want. And so this is a nine-week series, and over these nine weeks, Proverbs is essentially our tour guide of life. Proverbs speaks to anything that you can imagine under the sun, all kinds of different topics. And so uh, we're kind of working through Proverbs um, and looking at Proverbs' greatest hits, so to speak. Some of the topics that we've covered so far have been wisdom, folly, justice, money, temptation. Uh, and then in the weeks to come, we'll be looking at work, relationships, and plans. But our topic this morning is the topic of speech, of the tongue, of how we use our words. We're going to be mentioning and looking at several different passages this morning. You've heard me say in this series, if you've been around, that this series is different from what we typically do for the most part. Our typical practice is to work through a book of the Bible, and we're kind of doing that, but not really. We're jumping all around, and this is what you would call more of a topical sermon series. I personally don't like it, just to be upfront. I mean, I like this, this series, I love Proverbs, but it's harder for me every week because I have to figure out what passage to choose. You see, when we're working through a book of the Bible, I don't have to spend any time figuring out what's next because we're preaching on what comes next. And so just for that reason alone, I don't like it. It doesn't mean we're never um, not going to do topical theories anymore. It just means that we're not going to do them regularly, Okay. So what I want to do is, and here's the other thing that's been happening, is that I'll identify a passage or two for Mary Ellen to include in the worship guide, and then in my sermon prep on Friday, after the bulletins have been printed, I come across a passage, and it's like, oh, that was the passage that should have been in the worship guide. That's the one that we should really look into. So I'm going to read three passages that are the passages printed for you in the worship guide. We are going to refer to them, but it's actually not going to be the passage that we look at most substantially, all right? Just giving you the heads up on that. So let me read those three passages for us. The first comes from Proverbs 13, 3. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. 1528, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. And then finally, Proverbs 1821, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Let's uh, take a moment and pray for God to really teach us from his word this morning. God, we look to you. You are our teacher. I'm not the teacher here this morning. You are the one who has to do the teaching by your spirit, which you tell us in your word. When we gather together, the spirit is in our midst. So Holy Spirit, teach us from the word. Make us more wise. 
Make us more wise in how we use our words in life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Think about how many words you use in a given day. Now, not the day that you are home from work and you're just hanging around your house for the day. Not that day. Don't choose that day to use as the example. Choose a normal day, a day when you're going about the everyday stuff of life, interacting with others. Just think for a moment about the possibility of how many words you speak and how many words are spoken to you on an average day. I don't know how anyone figured this out, but somebody did some research. And according to statisticians, on an average day, a person will speak between 18,000 and 30,000 words. I mean, how do you figure that out? You just kind of go about your day and listen, take note of every word you speak, every word that's... I have no idea, but that's what the statisticians say, and so it must be right, huh? Well, whatever the exact number might be, it shouldn't surprise us that we speak a countless number of words every day on an average day. And that means that there is plenty of opportunity for us to use words for good or for us to use words for evil. All right, so what we're saying is that we speak a whole lot of words on an average, on an average day And that means that there are plenty of opportunities for us to use our words for either good or for evil. The number of references in Proverbs to our words, to speech, to our tongue are countless as well. And that shouldn't surprise us either. Because if we think about life, well, I'll put it to you this way. Think of somebody, maybe it's yourself, that you would label, don't say the name out loud, okay? Think of somebody that you would label as unwise. I wonder if a lot of the reason for that is because of how they use their speech, how they use their words. They don't use their words for good. They use their words for evil. And so Proverbs, which is helping us to navigate the everyday stuff of life, Proverbs is intensely practical. And so God wanted to include this subject, this topic in his word because it does provide us with so many opportunities for good and for evil. To live wisely is to use our words for good. That's the big idea of this morning's sermon. To, use, to live wisely is to use our words for good. So what I want to talk about is the power of speech and the proper use of speech. Let's begin by talking about the power of speech. Words have more power than we could ever realize. Words matter. They matter a lot. They have the power to harm, the power to heal. They have the power to build up or the power to break down. You know that childhood saying, you know what I'm about to say? You're nodding yes, so many of you do. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Oh my goodness, how unwise of a saying that is. That is an incredibly untrue statement. I know from my own life, my own experiences in life, that I have been hurt profoundly by words. And as we think about the power of speech, the power of words, go back to the very beginning of the biblical story. 
How does God create? He speaks. He uses his words for good, ultimately for flourishing. He displays incredible power through the use of his words to bring nothing, to bring something out of nothing, to fashion creation and to bring it to order. Scripture tells us in the Gospel of John, it refers to Jesus as the Word. God's revelation, his his power to speak is significant in this world. It's significant in our own lives. And his word has powerful effect and impact on us. We know that something went wrong, though. And what's interesting is that it's hard to think about human rebellion against God, running away from relationship with God and It's hard for us to think about that separated from the misuse of words. Because if you go back to the account of the fall in Genesis chapter 3, guess what you start to see immediately after Adam and Eve basically decide, all right, you know what? We can do a better job of playing God. We can manage life uh, apart from God. They do that. Life was not meant to work that way, so life begins to collapse in on itself. And guess what one of the immediate consequences we see? Adam and Eve misusing words, speaking falsehoods, blaming one another. Suddenly, we have human beings using words that were intended for good for evil. And so we see that drastic change in the biblical story, and it's one that we know all too well in our own lives. Divisive words words have the power to create wounds, barriers, obstacles, don't they? All you have to do for a prime example of this is to look into our current uh, condition as a culture, particularly in the realm of politics. If you want a prime lesson on the misuse of words, look at politics. You see words being misused in all of the possible ways that Proverbs talks about words being misused. We uh, encounter lying. We, care, we encounter divisiveness. And this is just being bred in our culture. This is how we, it just seems like it's commonplace now for how we interact with another. We interact with one another divisively using words not for good, but for evil. And so Proverbs 13, verse 3, that first passage that I read, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips come to ruin. Now, this passage is not saying that you should never speak, obviously, but it is um, reminding us that we should be careful to speak. We should give pause to our speech. We should reflect about our words and our intended purpose of our words. Going back to that uh, expression, um, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Uh, As I said, that, that is so untrue. Each and every one of us in our own life experiences know that to be untrue. Words have an incredible capacity to shape us, shape us for good or shape us for evil. I, I think of an example in my own life. Uh, a couple weeks ago, 
I guess it was just last week, Katie and I were at a conference in Cincinnati, and a woman named Tammy Resch was speaking, and she had us do this exercise to take a few minutes and to think about um, words that were, have been at any time in our lives spoken to us that had um, dramatic impact for either good or for evil. And I was trying to think about it, and the reality is I could come up with a lot of examples, as you could. But for whatever reason, in that moment, I landed on one that happened in recent years. Actually, uh, ties into uh, the whole topic of anxiety and depression and all of that. Um, I was uh, four years ago, maybe five years ago, I don't remember, but anxiety and depression started to surface uh, in my life in ways that I hadn't experienced before. The only thing that I can um, account for is that... uh, I had never been in leadership as, a, as the lead pastor of a church, all right? And um, being in any kind of leadership role exposes all kinds of stuff, brings stuff to the surface, and I, I think that's what happened over the years. I also tend, I'm also more introverted, and I think that what also caught up with me after the, the few years of the hard work of planning churches, investing in relationships, I just think that all that stuff started to catch up with me. And anxiety and depression started to surface, particularly anxiety in which like, I, I almost couldn't go to community group anymore because I would just feel this weight, this pressure on me. So anyhow, I, I decided I, it'd be wise for me to go to the doctor. So I went to the doctor, and um, I met with the physician's assistant first. And I started telling the physician's assistant about what was going on in my life. And she said words to me that I will never forget. She asked, you know, what I do for uh, my, my uh, occupation, and I told her. And she asked me this question. Are you sure that you're in the right line of work? I don't even remember what happened the rest of that doctor's visit. I remember very little of what was said. I just know that those words hurt me deeply. And I still think about it, right? Obviously, I do. At that conference, that was the example that came to mind. And those words have a, even words that are misspoken, even words that are not true, they still have the power and the capability to shape us. And so over these last few years, when anxiety and depression uh, rear their, their ugly head comes into my mind, well, maybe I shouldn't be a pastor. Maybe this is all just too overwhelming for me Words are powerful. And as you think about your own life, you can think about ways that the course of your, maybe even your life, was changed because of words spoken to you for good or for evil. Words are powerful. Proverbs 15, 28, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. According to the wisdom literature, according to Proverbs, righteous people are careful with their words. They're careful in how they respond. They're careful in their speech. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I mean, you can't say it stronger than that. Our words, our speech, speaks to either life or death. It's powerful. This is powerful stuff. 
And yet, so often, we are unwise in this area. I would venture to guess that we are unwise for a variety of reasons. Maybe we're unwise with our words because of those harmful words that have been spoken over us at different points in our lives. And what ends up happening? You do what others have done to you. You have been spoken, um, with, spoken toward with great harm, and so you find yourself doing that as well. It could also be that it's a habit that you have learned or are learning from our surrounding culture. I'm going to say something that's going to be challenging for all of us. Social media counts, all right? Social media counts in this category. I I just want it to be silent for a few seconds. I think the trap is this sometimes, that we think that social media counts as something different. We can use words however we want there because it's not the same thing as verbally speaking to another person. It absolutely is the same thing. It falls under this category. And so when Proverbs speaks to us about speaking out of reflection, being careful with our words, not speaking too quickly, it doesn't just apply in our modern-day culture to uh, conversations that we're physically present in. It also applies to the use of social media. And so that means that if you are a follower of Jesus, you cannot just simply type that, uh, that tweet, type that Facebook comment, and just let it go. You can't do that. That is unwise. God desires better for you, and he desires better for those who are on the receiving end of those words. Speech matters. Our words are powerful. And as God's people, this is true for all times, right? I mean, the God saw the need to speak so much about this in the wisdom literature, but also throughout the whole of Scripture. But man, is this particularly relevant to our contemporary setting. It's just mind-boggling and unbelievable how divisive speech is. And I believe this. I believe that there is a real opportunity for us as the church, for us as God's people, to model something different. To not just be like the world in this regard, but to be countercultural, to be a peculiar people, to be people who use their speech out of love and for good. Now, we're going to blow it, all right? When we wrap up the sermon, hopefully by that point I've given you the gospel. <laughs> um, we're going to blow it. It, 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 it. We're We're fallen people. We're going to blow it, but This is an area of wisdom that is really important that I think that we all need to consider um, because of its effects, but also because of the prime opportunity. I really believe that the use of our speech in our contemporary setting is an opportunity to point people to the way of Jesus, all right? Speech is powerful, and your words will catch up with you eventually, your words will catch up with you sooner or later. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 speaks about speech. He says um, to not let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, only that which is um, building up of others, to speak the truth in love, to not let any falsehood come out of our mouths. 
you see, this is connected to the gospel. If we have been on the receiving end of the saving work of Jesus, of the, of the, if the grace of Jesus has invaded our lives, it over time changes every area of our lives, including how we use our words. And our desires over time change. And our desires should be now more oriented toward how can I honor Jesus with my words and how can I love my neighbor? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. I think that when we hear that, we, in my experience, the application has been, so don't say curse words. Paul has something far more um, robust than that in mind. It includes words that tear down. That's the context, right? Only speak that which is uplifting and building up of your brother or sister. That's the context. Unwholesome talk in that context has to do with words that are spoken to tear down, words that are intended for evil. Speech is powerful. James. James, uh, the New Testament book of James, is really the New Testament's version of wisdom literature. And listen to what some of what James says um, in the New Testament. In James chapter 1, verse 26, 26, it says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religious religion is worthless. Did you catch that? He's connecting the authenticity of our faith, the reality of our faith with how we use our words. A follower of Jesus seeks to use their words for good. It's a demonstration of true religion. It goes on. The following verse, it talks about the care of orphans and widows. And so for James, this is authentic religion. It's authentic faith. And included in that is how we use our words. In James chapter 3, he, he says more. He talks about the taming of the tongue. And at one point, he says this, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, talking about the tongue. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, stating the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. I could keep reading on and on, but it points to what? The power of speech, the power of words. The reason that the Bible speaks so much to this topic is the same reason that we keep coming back to with all of these topics. It's because God deeply loves us. God deeply loves his world. He wants to see shalom recovered in relationship to himself, in relationship to ourselves, to our neighbor. He wants to see words used redemptively in all of those relationships of life. Let's now talk about the proper use of speech. And for this, I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 10. Now, this is the passage that's not printed in the worship guide. Uh, there are Bibles in the pew racks in front of you. Proverbs chapter 10. And what I want to do is, I, I'm not, not going to read this all at once. I want to go through this and point out basically the characteristics of godly speech as they're listed for us in Proverbs chapter 10. Look first at verse 11. Proverbs 10, verse 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, 
but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. So a characteristic, one characteristic of godly speech is that our speech represents a fountain of life. I love that imagery, a fountain of life. I um, remember last August, last July, uh, we, as a family, we went to Charleston, South Carolina. And Charleston has a pretty cool uh, river, uh, uh, riverfront. And um, one really cool thing about it is that there's this huge fountain. And uh, it was a nice, warm day. I guess all uh, summer days in Charleston are nice, warm days. Um, but there were kids just running around in this fountain, under the water, playing in it. And it was such a beautiful picture of life, of flourishing. Our words are meant to represent a fountain of life. What if our words were, now it's going to sound funny, but what if our words were things that our neighbors could come and dwell under and play in and receive life and flourishing from? We have the power to do that for our neighbor. We have the power to bless our neighbor through our words, for our words to represent a fountain of life. Verse 13 the next characteristic, I didn't come up with these. I, I got them in um, some other commentary on the passage, just to be clear on that. Um, verse 13, wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks judgment. I think the idea of discernment connected to words is so helpful and important. We need to be discerning in our speech. And this is why, in other places, Proverbs warns against speaking too quickly. It's why the Scripture as a whole gives us those kinds of warnings. Because when we speak too quickly, when we use our words too quickly, we haven't practiced discernment. We haven't filtered them through anything. One thing that I have grown in and learned to do over the last few years is that, um, for example, when I receive a, a message or an email that is critical of me, or, or something like that, I have learned to not respond anytime soon. Like two years. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Never. I've learned to not respond. That way I can't use my speech for evil. That's the conclusion of the sermon. I'm kidding. And it used to be, I still do this, not every time, but many times, I'll, I'll get that email, whatever it is, and I'll start typing up a response. Like, you, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to let you have it. And then I come to my senses by God's grace, and I realize, yeah, I don't want to do this. This would be really unwise, be a really bad idea. I need to step away and come back to this tomorrow or the next day. That's been a really helpful practice for me. And you know what is so interesting? Usually, again, not every time, but usually when I come back to that email I feel almost entirely different about it. It doesn't seem as critical as it did in the moment. And I actually sometimes agree with the criticism or what is said. And so I'm able to respond in humility. Why? Because I've practiced discernment. I haven't used my words too quickly. If I would have, I would have um, done so with harm for evil, not for good. Discernment is so important. 
And again, this applies to social media. I know that um, just the way that social media works is not conducive for this. You're on a, a thread. Let's just say it's a political thread, all right? Not saying that any of us comment on political threads. But let's just say, for example, there was a political thread that you saw on Facebook and you just wanted to lash out to the original poster or to comments. Do you realize that because of your discipleship to Jesus, you can't just do that? Jesus calls us to have a higher standard of the use of our words. He calls us to use our words for, as we've been saying, for life. And so you can't just do that because, oh, well, that's how social media works. You may have to be the weird person that is going to step away and just pray about it the rest of the night and then maybe respond. But social media, it's probably not worth your response. <laughs> I'm not saying you can't ever respond. It's more my personal thing, so take that for what it is. Look at verse 19. When words are many... Sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Holding your tongue. Now, I think this is a little bit different from speaking too fast. I think this has to do with the use of too many words. And it's probably tied, it's definitely tied to the importance of listening. This is another area where I've had to grow and I still am growing as a pastor because guess what I'm doing right now? I get to speak to you. I use a lot of words. And then sometimes when, ask my wife about this, or don't ask her about this, um, you know, we'll get in a conversation and she'll bring up something that I perceive as a problem to be solved by me, right? Now, I, I think many of us husbands uh, can resonate with that, but I, I do something, I, I add a twist to it. You see, I'm a pastor, so not only do I try to solve it, but I try to solve it through a sermon. So I begin preaching a sermon. Do you think that, go, that goes over well? No, no, it doesn't go over well. And I don't know how many times Katie has told me that she just wants me to listen. In other words, stop using so many words. Just listen. And by listening, we understand more of where the other person's coming from, and we have a better ability, again, because of the practice of discernment, even in that moment, to know how best and most effectively to use our word. So hold your tongue. You don't need to say so much. Learn to listen. Verse 21, the lips of the righteous nourish many, but many fools die for lack of judgment. Again, do you see how these connections are being made? The context is, 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 is wisdom, it's judgment, it's discernment. And so here, um, the lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of judgment, and it's connected to our speech. We can prove ourselves to be fools through the use of our speech. What is foolish speech? It's speech that does not set out to nourish. It's a powerful uh, idea to me that I have the capacity to nourish others with my words. Not only in my role as a pastor in ministry, but in general in life as a neighbor. I have the capacity to nourish others, to care for others, to cultivate something good in others through my speech. And then 
Two more. Verse 31. The mouse, not the mouse. We're still on the topic of mouths. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but a perverse tongue will be cut out. So what comes out of wise speech? Wisdom. How do you practice wisdom? Or how do you learn wisdom? Through all of these ways that we're talking about, through discernment, through slowing down, through being careful of the use of our words. And then finally, verse 32. The lips of the righteous know what is fitting, but the mouth of the wicked only what is perverse. This is an interesting one for me. Um, Particularly, I'm thinking of it in light of my role as a pastor in ministry. There are, have been so, there are still so many situations that I arise that I have not encountered before. What do I say to the person? I've never encountered this before. I have to draw from wisdom. I have to draw from experience. I have to draw um, from what I have maybe what I have seen as bad examples and good examples in my own life. And this is the beauty of wisdom. Wisdom is helping us to navigate life well, even those areas of life that we've never met before. See, a wise person, what we've been saying all along is that, what have we been saying? A wise person makes wise decisions. And so rather than being fixated on all right, what is the right decision for every given situation? Rather, we want to bring ourselves under the Holy Spirit to have our character developed, because as our character is developed, we find ourselves increasingly to be a people who know how to live and say, speak and do things in all kinds of situations that we've never encountered in life. And I know that that has been true for myself. A wise person knows what is fitting in the right moment. I think of the area of anxiety and depression as one of these. You've heard me say, I don't think I said it earlier today, but you've heard me say before that this area of anxiety and depression, um, I was not, not me personally, my own issues with it, I'm talking about in ministry, I was not prepared for, for it. And for the number of people who struggle with this and for how real it is. And so as I first started encountering, it was like, I have no idea what to say to this person. And guess what? I've learned what to say to the person, to not say anything to the person often, but to listen. A wise person knows what is fitting for the given situation. So often people just want us to listen. They don't want us to come at them with words. Now, here's the danger. All of this is really good stuff important stuff. This is, you know, it, it, it sets us on the direction that God wants us to go as his people as far as the use of our words. But it, you could have, um, I don't know, I, I guess a couple different reactions to, to where we are so far as we bring this to a close. One could be that you just, it's too overwhelming to think about this because of how words have been used so harshly and for evil in your own life. And you just feel so defined by that in both your perception of your own identity and in your own responses um, to 
the people around you in life. That, that could be one thing. I, I, I think another one is that this is so hard, and there are, as we're going back to the very beginning of the introduction, there are so many opportunities for the use of our words on a given day. It can just feel so overwhelming, and we feel like we keep failing in this area, and we're hopeless. I want to try to encourage you with the gospel. God knows all the times that you have failed. He knows the time this morning that you used your speech for evil, not for life, for death, not for life. He knows all of that. He knows your struggle with it. And he knows that maybe for you, this is like one of those really hard struggles. And you think to yourself, I am not going to overcome it. I'm not going to overcome it. I just can't. I keep going back to my old ways and using speech inappropriately. I want you to reflect on the the depth of God's love for you. Because not only did God use his power at the beginning to create, God also uses his power to speak redemption into your life. This is what is amazing to me about the ministry of Jesus. Jesus comes and he always uses his words ultimately for life, for the building up of the other, for rescue, for redemption, for love, so that we learn to redefine ourselves, not according to all of the misused words that have been spoken to us, but according to the words of God's love in Jesus for us. And Jesus went to the cross because of our inability to use our speech properly. And as he goes to the cross, as he's on the cross, what happens? He's mocked. The very thing, words created by God, meant for good, are used against their very creator for evil, for harm. And what does Jesus say, even in the moment? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. The forgiveness of Jesus is incredibly deep. The resources and riches of the grace of Jesus is sufficient for you. In Christ, you are forgiven for how you have misused your words, for how you continue to misuse your words. Repent, turn away from them, and ask God to change you to really help you to live and step with the Spirit so that you might use your words for the nourishment and blessing of others. As I said, I think that this is a wonderful opportunity for us as a church in our culture today to be mindful of our words. What if we became known as a community in our city, in our region, that used words redemptively, that used words for good, for blessing, for love? What if people became attracted to Jesus because of our speech? And it ultimately pointed them to the speech of Jesus, the action of Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection on behalf of the world. I really believe that speech can be such a powerful tool in our day. And so, I'm going to go to prayer now, and I'm going to pray that God would help us to be discerning, that he would help us to grow, that we wouldn't be so quick to speak so that we would use words as his representatives in the world. Let's pray. 
Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for your grace, for your love, for your forgiveness. As we look back on our past, on our lives, and we think of all of the ways in which we have misused words and brought harm to others, you do not hold that against us in you. We thank you. We also thank you that all of the words that have been spoken to us in our stories that have been meant for evil by others, that we do not have to be defined by them any longer. We are defined by the good word that you have spoken over us, that we are loved and accepted in you. Help us to be a church that points to all of these realities about you. Help us to be a people that uses our speech wisely in a way that honors you, brings you glory, in a way that recovers shalom and blesses and nourishes our neighbor. We pray that this church community would be a safe place as far as words, that as people come into this community, they would be able to trust, they would have confidence that this is a people, not perfectly, but a people who are striving by your grace to use our words in the way that you intended. Father, you actually can do this in our midst because we have the Holy Spirit. So we pray that you would do it and that you would get all kinds of glory for it among our neighbors. Pray in Christ's name, amen.